Welcome to the Popcorn Talk Network. For the online broadcast network that features movie discussion, news, and interviews, press one. Popcorn Talk. We talk movies. In a world where action movies are constantly exploding at the box office, our heroes take on the monumental task of dissecting and analyzing all aspects of action movies to truly understand what it takes to make a great action film. Ben Bateman, Andrew Guy, in a Popcorn Talk Network exclusive, this is Action Movie Anatomy. What's up, everybody? Welcome to the show! Welcome to the Siege of the White House! In this film called Die Hard in the White House that we are doing on Action Movie Anatomy today on the Popcorn Talk Network, the online broadcast network dedicated to talking all things movie-related. I'm your host, Ben Bateman. The movie's not called that. It's not called that at all. Uh, I'm still your host, Ben Bateman. That is, in fact, my name and my co-host, Mr. Gerard, Andrew Guy. Gerard Butler. Was that Willie from The Simpsons? Oh, Gerard Butler! (laughs) You used me, Skinner! You used me! (laughs) What's up, everybody? I'm Andrew Guy here to talk to you about this gem of a movie. Total gem. Totally, totally like missed gem. I mean, this is like a. Well, we'll get we'll get to what makes this movie so special. Right. Uh, but anyway, guys, so this is Action Movie Anatomy. Uh, we talk about action movies on this show. Uh, the you know actually before we do that, huh? I want to introduce Mark Donica. Yeah, he's our engineer. Mark. He's a gangster. He, he's on mic. He's uh, he started watching all of the movies. Uh, previously, he was engineering and he was sometimes watching them. He now watches every movie. He gets excited when we walk in. So so Mark, hats off to you, sir. Thank yeah, you, man. Mr. Ben Bateman, Mr. Andrew Guy, pleasure to be a part of the show. And if you want to know his thoughts, uh, Mark, where can the folks find you? It's Soapbox Donica? Uh, no, uh, my Twitter is Mark B. Donica. Okay, gotcha. Mark B. Donica. Where did I get Soapbox from? I, I changed it recently. Got like, it. So, okay. So we were both right. He's rebranded himself. <laughs> agree to agree. I'm a man now. <laughs> I just made that up. I got it. I got that. That's really good. <laughs> Wasn't a good one. <laughs> Anyway, guys, uh, this is Olympus Has Fallen. So what we do on this show is we talk about action movies. And those action movies, aside from being made after 1981, adhere to four basic rules. Rule number one, the hero always plays by his own rules. And my goodness, does Gerard Butler play by his own rules in this movie? He does. He absolutely does. Right? Center. Center. He plays by his own rules all the time. (laughs) The church of a good woman. That's Liam Neeson trying to use the restroom. All right, rule number two. The hero and the villain are always the smartest people, things, beings, what have you in the room. Um, yeah, Definitely. I, yeah, Kang is a he's stone-cold badass. He's very smart. We never thought to look for him inside the Korean government. Never. Um, and then uh, rule number three is that uh, the hero is always a police, military, political, or mercenary figure. And when we say that they are political, it means they either could be the man, so the president, mm-hmm. or they could work for the man. Which like says they could be... An MTA officer in the Taking of Pelham 123, for instance. A forgotten gem. Great film, guys. No, it's not. Uh, admitted by Andrew as a great film on a recent episode, despite what he would wish to forget. And then the last rule is that there's one explosion at least. This movie is just a giant explosion. It's like a it, ball of oh fire. Oh my gosh. Yeah, this movie had okay. So I was this movie to me basically was White House Down or Law Abiding Citizen. Yeah, I was like convinced I'd seen it. <laughs> it was like a combo. You like every time you talk to me, I'm like yeah, yeah, no, it's the it's the movie where this happens. You're like that's not what that that doesn't happen. In this movie's like no, I, I know I've seen it. Yeah. I had not seen this movie, yeah. and it's so good. <laughs> it's so sweet. It's so sweet. Um, let's let's watch the trailer. Should we do that? Yeah, let's do it up. Let's do it up. Okay. 
It's a really good trailer. It is. Is that my chair? That's your chair. It's creaking. <laughs> That's great. Five minutes, sir. Evening, ma'am. Merry Christmas, Mike. Mustang, this is Big Top, bringing out the full package. Mustang. Mustang That's what I say when I'm walking in the bathroom. <laughs> it is. It is true. Oh, Ashley Judd, the off-forgotten Ashley Judd. Yep. First choice to play the, play the role, Winona Ryder. Neither one of them would be relevant at all. Nope. She has like three lines. Oh, Grizzly. Everybody knows you did the right thing on that bridge. Even the president knows. You gotta learn. Angela Bassett, yet another throwaway role. Yeah. You know she was she was nominated for a, a BET award for best performance in this movie. Really? Uh, <laughs> yes. Wow. That's like that is like proof of like just how closed-minded Hollywood is when like casting roles. Right. There is like not that many roles for for men or women of color. Like does not happen that often. No. Because she does a great job. She's very good. You know, her and Morgan Freeman are both great, but neither of them are like, oh my god. Yeah. Certainly, certainly not a role that I would have said stood out to me. Those two guys in the plane are sweet. The two pilots. Yeah. This trailer stands out to me though. He lives on that director of training day. Anton Kulfuk. He lives on that. If you attempt to retake this building, I will execute your commander in chief. Oh my god! It's like Emmerich lives. Emmerich lives on Independence Day. It's like they're both in the same boat. And the Patriot. And uh, Emmerich did White House Down. <laughs> did he really? Yeah. He oh, no. How good is that? No. I just, I just wish. Oh no. We could do both of them at the same time. So fired up. I feel like I've seen this movie before. With all due respect. Oh, the best chance you've got. <laughs> Joke's on you. There's no such thing as Scotch-toberfest. <laughs> Just open the gates of hell. United States of America doesn't negotiate with terrorists. Who said anything about negotiating? Such an egregious amount of CGI used in this movie. Like, oh, yeah. It's an incredible, inordinate amount. Like an uncomfortable amount. Like, most of what you actually see on screen is just not real. Yeah. And it's pretty evident. Like, it's not evident to the point that it's fake looking. It's just evident to the point you can tell it's, it's CGI. Yeah, and they, they do it so much because everything is destroyed everywhere that they can't just, like, do a normal shot. Interesting. There's another director who destroys things consistently. Who yeah, giant? So he does like <laughs> massive films, and he lives off of his fame from one movie. Hmm. Interesting. <laughs> yeah. We should just have a discussion, like the, the similarities between Anton Anton Fuqua and, and Roland Emmerich. Like, who is who is like the bigger hack? Who's better? And then the tiebreaker is Brian De Palma. <laughs> who is the biggest hack? I think you have to put him, like, a cut above, because, like, he actually has one movie in his career that's truly iconic. Right. Like, actually iconic. Like, even though I don't like it, I can't deny that Scarface would be on most top 100 movies lists. Right. Whereas, like, I don't think you could legitimately argue any movie that Fuqua... love Training Day, man. I feel like Training Day is a movie that has aged extremely poorly, and even now, if people went back with, like, an open mind into watching that movie, is this good or bad, people would pan it. I need to watch it again. I need to, because I actually really did like that movie. Yeah. It just, like, it was inventive and innovative. You know, there's a show coming out, right? They greenlit. Yeah. There's yeah. a show. They greenlit. Yeah. Um, anyway, that was the trailer for Olympus Has Fallen. Very good trailer. Sweet, sweet trailer. One thing that bothered me, though, is there was a shot of the RPG firing. Right. And they used a gunshot sound effect. And I was just like, what the? <laughs> All right. Yeah. Play. 
You also had that sweet moment where, like, this has happened in a lot of war movies and things like this, where, like, some grizzled soldier, a vet like Gerard Butler, sees a guy with, like, a new, like a rocket launcher, and he does the thing where he's like, RPG! Right. Down! Yeah, yeah, yeah. Classic. Down! Classic, yeah. classic. So good. Yeah. He's a straight video game character, because he just runs through, like... This movie's a video game. Yeah. Also, another Anton Fuqua uh, trademark, so unnecessarily violent. Like... Oh, my gosh. I know. Like, there's so much gore. And it's like, uh, Mark and I were just talking about this before the show started. Like, at the end when he's charging the bunker and the dude comes around the corner and he shoots him in the head. It's just like, yeah, it's like everywhere. Yeah, it, it really does kind of feel like when they were transitioning from, like, Goldeneye Perfect Dark into, like, actually gory games. Right. That weren't kind of a little bit PG-13. Um, when console games stopped being the thing and it was a little more Counter-Strike became, like, the thing. Do you know one thing I have to say about the violence in this movie? Hmm. Is that... It was so necessarily, like, it was so necessary at times for it to be as violent as it was and as gory as it was. Right. But at other times, it wasn't. So, in the beginning, when the plane starts to attack, that, like, if those bullets are hitting you from that plane out of those guns, they would do exactly what they did to people. Exploding people's limbs Ripping them apart. I hate in movies when people get hit by miniguns and there's just, like, a few holes in their body. Yeah, like, oh, No. This yeah. is, these things are going to tear you in half. Right. So I thought that was sweet. Yeah. No, really gory. Um, I mean, you get pretty desensitized pretty quickly. Uh, yeah. Yeah, I, mean, I would say so. So uh, what we're going to do, guys, is we're going to start the show off with a little thing to something we like to call action movie tagline. Now, action movie tagline, how's the chat going over there? Come it's on. good. Yeah? It's good. Yeah, I'm just reading. People are people are excited. People love Ashley Judd. People yeah. People love this movie. Of course. Welcome yeah. back, guys. Welcome to the chat. We're, we're sorry we started a couple minutes late. Uh, we, yes. we tend to get back to on time soon, but thank you for sticking with us and being in the chat. We love you guys. Absolutely. Uh, in fact, if you do want to tweet at us or let us know your thoughts on the movie, just in case, a couple of you have been really kind in the last few weeks in finding us on Twitter. Finally, we're at AMA Podcast. That's where you can find the podcast. You can find me at Ben Bateman Media. And you can find me at Andrew Guy. And any of the interactive games we play on the show that you guys want to contribute, uh, just feel free to leave them in the comments on YouTube or tweet at us. The first one is going to be called Action Movie Tagline. So what this is, is this thing where Andrew and I, when we were kids, would go to the video store, like the physical, actual video store. We would pull the movie boxes off the shelf, and like the way that it used to work is that they would sell these movies with a little tagline on the front or on the back. Usually the one on the front was shorter, mm-hmm. like a slam bang action thriller, and the one on the back would be a little longer, but uh, they were just so exciting. And we didn't get to watch trailers as much when we were younger. Yeah. You know, like you would, you would have to catch trailers in the theater or on TV when you would see them. You you couldn't go and watch them for hours on the internet. Well, yeah, and so like, you know, like I have all these memories of going to the video store and seeing movies that I never actually saw, mm-hmm. but I remember the cover. Like you and I have an our oh yes archival knowledge of movies based on the cover from from the actual. You worked at Blockbuster, yeah. and I just used to pace around video stores. Yeah, we talk about like, wait, is that the one with the when he's on the cover and he's like yeah. on the boat? But the what? Yeah, like always. Yeah, totally. Like there's a bunch of Gary Busey movies that I never watched. <laughs> Chrome Soldiers being one of them, but like a lot of these movies, I just know the cover. Right. I know the two build actors and the cover, and then in some cases the tagline. So what we do now is we come up with our own action movie tagline. Sometimes shorter, sometimes longer. Sometimes taking themselves a little more seriously, and sometimes not. This segment started with Andrew kind of owning me, and recently I would say that I've been winning. I feel like you've been doing pretty damn well lately. I like mine a lot today. Do you? Yeah. Yours is pretty goofy, so I'm going to go first. Okay. Removed from the president's detail, a broken, battered man must awaken the demon inside of him to save our country's leader. Can Mike Banning do the unspeakable? Find out when Olympus falls. Ooh, okay, I like it. It's not bad, right? Yeah, it's good. I was in it. It was real. Yeah. It was a serious It was one. from the heart. It was. Okay, here's mine. <laughs> Ready for this? I, yes. <laughs> yeah. Uh, all right. Okay, here we go. 
Meet Mike Banning, ex-Special Forces, Ranger Battalion. Die Hard is about to fuck the White House. Let's get busy. <laughs> what do you think? This movie's Die Hard. This yeah. movie is Die Hard in the White House. So I, love, I love the call, too. It's so crazy. When I was reading all the reviews yeah. about this, everyone compared this movie to Die Hard. It's the same movie. And Gerard Butler to Bruce Willis. Right. Which is just perfect. Yeah. I mean, uh, it's, it's pretty unavoidable. So, all right. So... Let's before we get into uh, in, into thesis statement. Um, actually, you know what? Let's let's just go right into thesis, right statement. thesis statement. Yeah, yeah. Let's let's do okay. it. Okay. So thesis statement is the part of the show, guys, where we kind of you come up with like a broad idea, something that really, really is just like a like a big bold thought, right? Something that's kind of uh, based on hyperbole. Sometimes this right. is the greatest this, or this is the best this, the first time this happened, that kind of a thing. And we kind of defend it all throughout the show. Uh, it helps to kind of give some identity to the way we feel about this movie. And so I'm gonna go jump right in with mine Please. because this movie to me is. Very unique. It's kind of it got sort of forgotten in 2012. I don't think people quite realized what was going on because we live in this era now where the kind of movies that we set out to cover on this show, um, those classics from the 80s and the 90s, we don't get that many of them that are done the right way anymore. Right. Like movies are very very self aware. So Furious Seven is like silly and big action in the way that we like, but it's totally in on the joke. Mm-hmm. So it it kind of misses the point. Like it's fun, but you have to be want to go watch a movie that's going to poke some fun at itself. This movie is. Just for lack of a better word, like just a big trashy action movie. Yeah, and it's, it's just like, yeah, you miss those, right? It, it employs all, and they spend enough money on it, and mm-hmm. it's like totally unrealistic. But like, he's a badass. He is really badass. So what, what I would say about this movie is that my thesis is that this is the most perfectly loving throwback to the eighties, nineties action genre we've had since the year two thousand. Yeah, um, this is a direct homage. To Die Hard, to Air Force One, to The Rock. I mean, this has scenes that are almost pulled from those movies. Yeah, it's so similar in so many ways. When you're watching the movie, you're almost just like, oh, I know what's going to happen here because they did this in Die Hard. Or like, I know exactly what's going to happen here. This is totally from Air Force One. Right, like the best part uh, was when we were watching and you're like, this is a total, what was his name, Bill, uh, uh, from Die Hard, when... when, uh, uh, oh, oh, oh yeah. Bill Clay. Yeah, right. Bill, I'm Bill Clay. Yeah, he runs into Ka- to, to Dylan McDermott, yeah. and you're like, oh, this is the Hans Gruber moment. Like, oh my god, you scared you scared the shit out of me, Mike. And you're like, you're like, count it. It's gonna be about two minutes till he gets exposed. Something's for, gonna happen. Yeah. yeah, you know it's gonna happen. 100%. Yeah, Kang, this Kang guy is crazy. How'd you know his name? Dun, dun, dun. Dun, dun, dun. Yeah, so good. So uh, yeah, that was that's mine. What do you so got? my action movie tag, I had I had two, and they were hard for me to, to to pick between, but I think I'm gonna go with. This is the most easily confusable and forgotten movie that's ever come out. <laughs> this is the same. Just, it's the same as White House Down. It came out at the same time. Yeah. Law Abiding Citizen came out right beforehand. Gerard Butler, like, saving everybody. I, no one knows what this movie <laughs> is unless they've seen it, like, and they really like it. Like, some people who see the sequel, London Has Fallen, which is coming out, which is the reason we decided to do this movie, right. they don't even realize that it even is a sequel. Right. Like, they just are like, this feels similar to something I've seen before. Every single time you, you talk, I bet if you get ten people together in a room, yeah. you all ask them about this this movie, they'll be like, is that the one with uh, Jamie Foxx? Or is that, wait, no, is that one Channing Tatum? Or, yeah. like, that's what the conversation would be out of every single one of them. Or, wait, was Harrison Ford in that movie? Yeah, right? <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Yeah. So that that is my thesis. Is because even after watching this movie, actually, you know what, no, after watching this movie now, <laughs> and, and how much I loved it, now I know exactly what movie this yeah, is. Yeah. And I can't wait to see this the, the sequel. So you saw White House Down. 
I saw White House Down and I saw Law Abiding Citizen. I never saw Live or White House Down. Right. I missed them both. So to me, I saw this on an airplane the first time, and I was totally this is before we were doing the show. Mm-hmm. And I had a total this is like in in the phases when I was thinking about wanting to do this show, like before you and I really started concepting it, I had this feeling about this kind of movie where like it's kind of what fist pump moment is, which we're gonna get to in just a second. Right. Like it's those movies that give you a literal fist pump moment. And this movie, I was watching it on an airplane. I wanted someone on the airplane to be watching it with right. me so because can... I wanted to explain to them, like, do you see how sweet this is what's happening? When they're like, he's Mike Banning. He's Mike Banning. I'm yeah. the best chance you've got. Which is what he says yeah. in the trailer. You're like, you totally are it's the like, best that chance. Infor- that information is classified. Well, I feel like, wait, wait what does he say, yeah. Mark? I got written down one sec. Okay. Yeah. This is his favorite yeah, this is line. one of my favorite lines. It was, uh, classified, really? Well, right now, I believe I have the proverbial need to fucking know. Yeah, yeah it's... I have the proverbial need, need to, to fucking, fucking know. know. Yeah, <laughs> so good. It's so sweet. <laughs> oh, this oh. movie's great. All right, so let's talk fist pump moment. Yeah. Yeah, so this is the moment of the movie, guys. You're watching it. This is what happened on the airplane. You're literally watching the movie, and... It, wherever you are, like, I think that's the perfect place because it's quiet and it's a nighttime flight. No one's around. It's a little screen. And you want to fucking get up and look around you and cheer. Who's watching this? Put on Olympus has Fallen. Yeah. Watch him do this. Watch Mike Banning take these guys can, down. Can we trade seats? Can we yeah. choose? I got to talk to that guy. Yeah, I got to yeah. show this guy. Like, you hope maybe the guy you're talking to on the airplane, you like, he's a kindred spirit enough. You can be like, look how sweet this is. Uh, that's a fist bump moment. Like, it's just awesome. It's yours. So let's talk about our fist bump moments. Yeah. Um, my fistful moment and my favorite line kind of go hand in hand. Please tell me we don't have the same one. We've got to. It's the it's the moment, right? It's the hero qualifying moment that Angela Bassett delivers. We, I feel like in nowadays in movies we don't get them like we used to. We don't. Rambo, John Jay, like yeah. we don't we don't get those helicopter moments. pilot, language yeah. specialist. So okay, we'll give a little precursor on this because obviously one of the movies this is the most similar to is Air Force One. Yes, Air Force One has some of the best hero qualifiers, like oh. and villain qualifiers. The hero qualifier in Air Force One is when the one guy, one of the talking heads with a bunch of medals on, who doesn't matter. He's the best damn helicopter pilot I've ever flown with. Yeah, he's like, don't forget, the president flew more helicopter missions under my command than any of my soldiers. He knows how to fight. And you're like, like, of course he knows how to fight. He's the president. (laughs) So like in this movie, I I think it's we have the same moment. Yeah, yeah, go ahead, go ahead. Yeah, where where she's like... He, he gets on the phone because he's found the sat phone in, in the White House. Apparently in all the safes that never change combinations. Despite, Ever. No matter how long you've not been working there. Yeah, because he's Mike Banning. He knows 18, everything. Yeah, so can we trust this guy? Yeah. He's like, he's like, uh, identify yourself. And he identifies himself. And she's like, holy shit, Banning? And he's like, yeah. yeah, yeah. And somebody's like, wait, wait, who is this guy? Can we trust him? And she, what she say? She's like, this is Mike Banning. Special for ex special forces ranger battalion. I know him. He will move mountains or die Die trying. trying. Yeah, it's so. What is ranger battalion? I don't know. I've never heard it before. I'll bet you it's real. I I, even if it's not, it's so cool. It's so cool, right? Like you're you're like ranger battalion. Yeah, like ex special forces, whatever. Green beret, navy seal. Yeah, ranger battalion. It's one of those things where, like, okay, let's just pretend you and I were making a movie, and we were like, we needed something sweet to make right. up to, like, make our, our hero, like, the coolest. Dragon Squad. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Shadow Company, anyone yeah, exactly. from Lethal Weapon? Yeah. Like, could totally... So Shane Black made up Shadow Company. I mean, it's based on something, but, like, right. he essentially just manifested it. Because it sounds so sweet. And then wrote a script called Shadow Company about it. Like, Ranger Battalion could just be its own movie. I'd watch it. Starring Gerard fucking Butler. Butler. <laughs> I would watch it in a second. Uh, so, I mean, I think, this is your favorite line and your fist pump? 
Uh, yeah, but so I have another fist pump. Okay, good. The good. other fist pump is when him and uh, McDermott are fighting. Yeah. And you can just tell, like, oh, God, no chance, dude. Yeah. You're just, you're screwed. And then he pulls the knife out, because every douchebag in a something. movie that's a bad guy has, yeah. like, a hidden knife. And so he takes the knife out, he gets it from him, and then he just punches him once. Yeah. But he punches him in the heart with a knife. Yeah. And so he just starts to die. And it's just, it was one of those things that was like, he didn't even have to try that hard. No. It, it, it was so badass, and I wanted McDermott to die so badly. Of course. He, like, kind of redeems himself, but not really. I, you know, it's funny, because I had seen it the one time, and watching it, I was like, is he going to... I almost wanted him to be like, he, I've got him, he's on the... F-. And then, Yeah, like, I was yeah. wondering if that was going to happen. Yeah, because it seemed like... Because he seemed like he had zero conviction in yeah. any of his actions. He's like, I lost my way. Yeah, that's all... I, that was the only moment of hu- of human- humanity yeah. in him. Yeah, you wonder. You're like, but it's like... Uh, He's just, I mean, he's the shit weasel. He's, he's the shit weasel. He's the Xander Berkeley of this movie. These movies have to have a shit weasel. He's, we didn't recast Dylan McDermott, but the honorary shit weasel. Xander Berkeley. Xander Berkeley. It has to be. Who is the shit weasel with the sweet move with the silencer. From Air Force One. Yeah. Excellent. He's one of the greatest of yeah. all time of that role. I think this is episode 41 or 42 of this show. 41. And uh, Air Force One is it's actually a very different show if you go back and watch it. We yeah. didn't really have a lot of this stuff yet. But uh, it's the first episode we ever did. So you can go find that at the very beginning of the playlist. It's fun to go back and watch those old episodes. Yeah, it's, it's so different. We like The first two-man show we ever did was, there, was uh, Mission, Mission Impossible, Impossible 3. 3, which now has hundreds of thousands of views on it. But at the time, it was like, wow, this two-man show thing. I wonder if we can do it without a guest. Right. Um, in any case, fist bump moment. Those are great. Uh, there's, there's, there's a number of fist bump moments, but uh, we, can, we can keep moving down the line for now. Uh, let's let's get into a little production development and, uh, you know, whatnot. Yeah, so Star Profiles, this is such an interesting uh, thing <laughs> because it's like, what are either of these guys doing with their careers at this point in time? Well, I look at it as, this, this is how I look at it, so... <laughs> trying to make money? Fun fact, you pointed this out, Gerard Butler... Oh, yeah. No formal acting experience <laughs> or a training whatsoever. Never would have been able to guess. Yeah. He's got a good six-pack and 300, though. He sure does. And that's his breakthrough movie. Um, but that's years before this. Yeah, and he'd been doing, he'd been in a lot of stuff before that as well, but no one knew who he was because he wasn't a good actor. No. He's um, still really not. He's still not, but he's, there's something incredibly endearing about yeah. Gerard Butler. Yeah. And he's, I think it's that he doesn't care. Yeah. He's a man's man. Yeah. He's jacked. He's, he, like, He's just done a good job with it. I mean, it's fine. He, he hats off to the guy, man. Yeah, Make I mean, that he's money. had a good career. He's you know he's 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 very good at being the action superhero, and he's also very good at at being that guy in rom coms that you kind of want to hate, but then you end up falling in love with. Like that's him. Okay, let me just see if I can think of some movies. The Ugly Truth. That was him, right? Yeah. With Catherine Heigl. P.S. I love you. Was that him? As P.S. Well? I love you. That was also him. Um, didn't see Playing for Keeps or Chasing Mavericks or Machine Gun Preacher. I remember watching the trailer for Machine Gun Preacher on an airplane, right. probably the same airplane, uh, <laughs> being like. We were making a movie called Machine Gun Preacher, and it's supposed to star Gerard Butler. Like, that's so laughable. Like, my favorite line that I'm going to share later is laughable in the same way. Really? Yeah, just because, like, he has this cardboard quality to him as, like, a leading man. Oh, yeah. Yeah, he does. That's almost, like, hilarious. Like, he's... It makes me feel like Gerard Butler should, like, actually be on SNL. Like, I feel like he might actually just be brilliant on SNL as a host. Um, in the same way that John Hamm's kind of brilliant. Yeah, John Hamm is, is great in comedy. Because in, in, I enjoy John Hamm on a dramatic level more, but he's sort of one note in the same way. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah, I, yeah, yeah. I, it's not like I think he's a bad actor, but it's like it's that same sort of thing where he does one thing really well. Um, 
I don't know. I mean, Gerard Butler, like, he's still doing it. The sequel for this movie comes out in, like, two weeks. London, Everyone's back. London has fallen, yeah. I, I can't wait to find out what London is. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> They're trying to assassinate the prime minister. That's, oh, so it's actually London. Yeah. It's not, like, another code word. Like, London no. isn't, like, a, a... Now it's overseas. Okay. Banning's gonna have to, like, save... It's, like, the president's overseas, and now they're trying to assassinate a bunch of world leaders, He's gonna I kill think. so many people in Oh, my movie. God. It's gonna be nuts. It, it's actually really, like, hot, but now I was thinking when I saw the ads for that movie, because of what happened so recently in Paris with ISIS... Right. Like, that this... I'm sure when they were developing this movie... That had not happened yet. Oh, and I'm sure. That's like one of the most traumatic events that's happened in some time now. So I just wonder if the climate, because Fuqua said when talking about this movie why he chose North Koreans, mm-hmm. um, you know, he he considered like M- Middle Eastern terrorists as well, but he said that he felt that that had been covered, that that right. as a threat in films had been already covered and was sort of exhausted. That North Korea. There wasn't that much information coming out of it. Like this sort of thing had never happened, so it would be sort of shocking. All of that is all well and good uh, as premises for fictional films, except that this new one, I'm just sort of like, the recent attack was so upsetting and yeah. uncomfortable on so many levels that I just wonder if it's too close to home and this movie will bomb because of it. I definitely understand that. I I, I think this movie might bomb anyway, Yeah, just because like not enough people are going to want to go see it because, because they don't know anything about it. the first one, I don't know how it made money. Right, yeah. but... The one thing that's nice is that this isn't like an action drama. It's not to be taken too seriously. So as a movie fan, I'm not going to go and be like, ah, oh, well, I would see London Has Fallen, but it's just, it's just, it's too soon. It's too sensitive. Where yeah. It's just like, this movie is ridiculous. This can't, this is not in the same universe as our yeah. real world. You know what I mean? So I, I feel like, I, I get that it's a sensitive topic, but it's a, it's London Has Fallen by Antoine Fuqua. Yeah. You know, like, it can't be serious. Well, you hope so. I mean, uh, you hope that people don't read into it too hard, yeah. but uh, we'll see. So, on the other side of this, you have Aaron Eckhart. So, this is sort of a weird one. He, Aaron Eckhart, in the early 2000s, was a guy that was sort of starting to make the rounds as a as a real threat as, like, a dramatic leading man. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I believe he's in a film called In the Company of Men. Okay. Um, in the Company of Men. I think that's what it's called. It's a really, really sick movie. It's a film festival movie where he he's like the he's like the brash, confident leading man in an office, and he has this short, kind of stubby guy with glasses who's his coworker. This deaf girl starts as a receptionist, and they make a bet of like who can who can make her fall in love with him first. Oh, and so they both go for it. Um, he she falls in love with Aaron Eckert, of course, because he's like the leading man. The short guy falls in love with her. He casts her off. The whole thing is just, like, super, super, super unsettling and dark and twisted. So when you say sick, you mean, like, actually sick? Oh, yeah, yeah. Not, like, good? No, like, upsetting. Oh, like really? A, like a gross movie. Like Interesting. You'd probably love it, actually. Okay, I do <laughs> like weird movies. It's up your alley. But and then, then re- he, you know, he did the whole thank you for for smoking thing, like, where he was, like, he, he was, is this going to be the next George Clooney? It's a couple years later, and that's, yeah. that was a big one. Uh, thank you for smoking was a big one, I remember, because when he pops up four years, I want to say that that's... Donica, could you want to check for us? Is that 03? Correct me if I'm wrong. Uh, I feel like that's like 03. And then I think five years later when he shows up as Two-Face right. in Dark Knight, that's one of those moments where he's sort of crested and everybody's like, oh, he's a villain in the new Batman movie. Right. Well, because no one no one wanted to see him. I mean, because even uh, in 2011, he did Battle Los Angeles. He was in The Rum Diary in 2011 as well. Like, you just didn't care. Yeah. You didn't really care about Aaron Eckhart anymore. He didn't really break through in the way that I think most people hoped he would. Now, to be totally fair to that, 
he broke through far more than many actors. Oh, ever absolutely. Do. He, he was definitely an A-lister for a while. Yeah, I mean, Thank You for Smoking is a great movie. And mm-hmm. that was in 2005. It was 05, okay. okay. So it's even closer. Yeah, so that makes sense. So Thank You for Smoking is great. It's very memorable. I mean, I, I like that movie a lot. I like him as an actor quite a bit. And I think it's also one of those things where, like, I mean, he wasn't wasn't he in I Frankenstein? Or yeah, that movie's really bad. Yeah, he he's been in you know some some not so great movies. But he has that thing. It's like you put me as the lead in a movie. Hopefully, you'll make money off of it. Yeah, where a lot of people don't ever get to that level. Yeah, I think he's past that point. Mm-hmm. I think Aaron Eckhart is the classic candidate for a Netflix show or an HBO yeah. show or something like that. That's a big hit, and he gets back on the radar again. Like I love that William H Macy. Is so big with Shameless, yeah, because he's so incredible and he's been so incredible for so long. Yeah, but he's been so overlooked as a leading man, and I get it. He's a character actor and he's so good at support. Yep. But Aaron Eckhart doing something like that would be pretty awesome because I know he could do it. Yeah, H Macy. When I was in acting school, legitimately ten years ago, um, in Los Angeles, here was a I think it was an alumni or he was just a friend of the school. But he came one day and did a did a two-hour intensive session with us. Amazing. Um, there was like 40 of us in the audience, but he called one of, one of my friends up there, and he was doing act- acting exercises with everybody. Brilliant stuff. I mean, just really, really cool. Like, And I remember him saying things like, okay, in this moment, he's like, you know, you don't need to cry here. You can just be silent. He's like, you can do more with less. And I right. started to think about him and his acting and how he, he does do more with less. He's so good. He's, he's so subtle. Yeah. Yeah, he's great. So, uh, But, uh, yeah, it's it's... I I still have some faith. As a dramatic performer, Eckhart has more stock than Butler. But bankably, absolutely, I think Butler is still in the the premier position. I, I would agree. Yeah. He appeals to more audiences because of movies like the ones we'd mentioned: Chasing yeah. Mavericks, P.S. I Love You, Three Hundred, Fan of the Opera. Yeah, that's yeah. classic. He was in uh, Die Another Day, I think, or something like that. Was Butler? Yeah, he's really small, like a seaman on oh. one of the ships, or okay. something like that. But yeah. And then, I mean, he's just, like, he has the 300 cred forever. Absolutely, which is huge. Yeah, which is, like, one of those things where it's weird how this happens, but if you are lucky enough to be a guy where you get to show off your body like that and it's a hit, like, he's Mm -hmm. forever remembered as that guy who was just jacked. And he just Leonidas. Like, yeah, I mean, and and the opportunity to be such a badass, like a savage, and to pull it off. Is, is, again, one of those things where you will, like, William Wallace, Maximus Decimus Meridius, yep. King Leonidas. Like, there's a reason we everyone knows those names. Yeah, Leonidas would make our list for sure if we He's did. sweet. Yeah, he's great. We'll do that movie one day. I think 300. I think so. It works. Yeah. Yeah. Um, the production but, development behind this movie is funny because you despise Antoine Fuqua. Do not like him. You are not a fan of him at all. Like, during the movie, I was like, do you like Antoine Fuqua less or Brian De Palma? And you're like, ah, I gotta go with De Palma. I mean, uh, Anton Fuqua. Fuqua. Yeah. I mean, it's just because De Palma, like, though I think De Palma's a hack, yeah. and some of his movies are absolutely god-awful, he's respected for, for, by people for a couple movies that are yeah. legitimately yeah. iconic. Mission, the original Mission Impossible and Scarface, like... Those are and, big. Yeah. Those are big movies. Whereas, like, Fuqua, if you look at his filmography, it's like, The Replacement Killers, I remember, I think I must have wanted to see that because Chayon Fat was sweet and something, like... Who was the other guy in Replacement Killers? I don't know. Like, I remember that I movie. I just remember Chow Young-Fat. Yeah, I remember that movie being... Uh, Donico, do you mind checking that first? Was it Kilmer? No, it wasn't Kilmer. No, uh, it's like a white guy that I think we yeah. recognize. But so I remember the Replacement Killers, and then the next movie he directed was Training Day in 01, which... Training Day is one of those weird movies where it's like, it's the right place, right time effect. Yeah, um, and Denzel he was going through what Leo's going through right now. Yeah. 
is the honorary Oscar. It's the mm-hmm. easiest. It's like the easiest Oscar that anybody's ever going to win. So the movie got a lot of credibility for that reason. It's not that it's a terrible movie. It's that it's just a very. Disp- if you look at the rest of his movies, it's disposable in the same way. Right. It's like not an actually good movie. It's just like a sort of. It's just it's well acted. Yeah. It is like Ethan Hawke does great, yep. and uh, and Denzel obviously does very well. It's definitely not Denzel's best performance no. by any means. No, that would be the taking of Pelham One Two Three. That would not be. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, it, it was definitely right place, right time type of deal. So from there. You take a, you're like, okay, Training Day 01. It's like, then he makes Tears of the Sun in 03. With Willis. It's like, eh, no, no. Not good. Then he makes King Arthur the next year in 04. Nope. Also not good. Not good. Then he makes Shooter in 07. This is where you can really see the kind of director he is. Shooter's kind of sweet. Shooter's totally sweet. Yeah. Like, Shooter we should do on the yeah, show. Yeah, absolutely. But Shooter is like a trashy action movie. Yes. Where it's like, that's what he is. Yeah. Is like, Shooter's like not actually good. And that's something that you should embrace Completely. as a director. Like, if you can make a good action movie like that yeah like the only thing that this movie was missing was like gratuitous nudity and it would have been a movie from the 90s so here's the weird thing so then okay brooklyn's finest another attempt to sell a movie as like this is like an intense drama right brooklyn's finest olympus has fallen the equalizer in 2014 and then i think he's doing the equalizer Equalizer, too yeah and london has fallen so here's the interesting thing if you look at all of these movies and let's just pretend you take the oscar buzz out of training day you make that just exactly what it is. Instead of Denzel right. being in that movie, it's like 2001. Maybe it's like Michael Jai White or something. It's yeah. like, you know, maybe that movie is like just okay and does just okay. What happens is that the rest of his career, he becomes Com- completely forgettable. He just becomes an action director. Yeah. And if these movies were marketed differently, if Brooklyn's Finest wasn't marketed as like this intense crime drama in Brooklyn, dr- yeah. it's like it was actually just marketed as like Shooter, basically a movie yeah. that's slightly above, a slightly above direct-to-video, which is what... The Equalizer essentially looks like... What Olympus has fallen is, too, is, like, if it wasn't for the budget, you know? And if you go into that movie expecting that, you come out of it so much more entertained. So happy, Because The Equalizer, I went into it knowing exactly what to expect, and I was totally entertained. Not like this movie is Oscar-worthy, not like this movie needs to be respected, like, you're good at something. I got exactly what I wanted out of this. And for some directors, Tony Scott in particular, Michael Bay, Mm -hmm. they're able to hit that commercial nail on the head to such an incredibly accurate degree... By the end of their careers, it's like, I know what I'm getting when I go to this movie. Right. And, and you expect it. Yeah, but it's like Fuqua Southpaw, I think, was his most recent film. Yeah. And you see, like... I did not like that movie. I, I was so let down by it. It was just sold as this this intense drama. Which, like, it, which it was, but, like, it was so cliche. Just how this movie is so cliche. Yeah. But that's what you expect out of this movie, yeah. is it to be like that. When you get a movie like Southpaw that is being advertised as, oh, Jake Gyllenhaal's going to win the Oscar, this is going to win Best Picture. Yeah. No, that is not what type of movie this is, and that's not what type of director he is anymore. He yeah. never was. Right. I mean, the best thing the dude ever did was Coolio's Gangster Paradise video. Yeah. That's it. Really? Yeah. Quad directed that? Yeah. Really? He used to work with like Tony Braxton and huh. Coolio and Prince. Oh. Doing music videos before he was a director. Interesting. And Gangster's Paradise is probably the greatest thing he's done. <laughs> <laughs> I think more than probably. Um, Creighton Rothenberger and uh, Katrine Benedict, uh, they're a husband and wife. I think this is their first film together, right? Uh, yes, this is the first film that they did together. Uh, they've been together since 2006, but um, this came out in 2013. Obviously, this was their first credit, and they went on to do... Uh, the only other thing that they have that's actually complete is Expendables 3 yeah. and so, London Has Fallen. But so, they, so they've found a genre. They absolutely. Found a and they have two more things in wor- uh, in the in the works right now. They're in pre-production. They're doing well. I, yeah. mean, I mean, that's cool. Imagine if you were married to your soulmate and you guys yeah. got to write 
movies together that made money, and it was this type of movie. Be very fun. Yeah, yeah, really cool. So I I think they're great. I think, um, you know, I I don't expect them to write like, you know, like Steve Jobs movie, but you know, I'll, I'll see London Has Fallen. Why don't we just write an action movie? We should. What are we missing? We'd be able to write the greatest action movie ever. Oh my gosh. All right, we gotta go. <laughs> we gotta go. This is it. Yeah, we should totally write an action movie. Like, it would be the easiest thing in the world for us. And then we'll act it out shot for shot and put Every it on the show. Every cliche. <laughs> uh, yeah, anyway, so as far as the producers go on this movie, this was a weird one. We try to not harp on production and producers as much as we did in the early stages of the show. What I can tell you guys is Gerard Butler and Anthony Fuqua were both directors on the, or uh, producers on this movie yep. so they put up some of the money for it i'm sure and then mark gill and alan siegel were the other two credited producers the interesting thing about that is remember that movie law-abiding citizen <laughs> produced by them yeah uh you have obviously london has fallen not i don't want to go as far as to say trashy because some directors actually make trashy movies if you can get past like fuqua like looking at this actual filmography i can kind of get past this incorrect stigma that his movies have once i can embrace them for what they are i actually very much enjoy him yeah he almost should be like an mvp of our show because he kind of gets it if he was looked at like tony scott instead of like ridley scott yeah it would be so much better yeah though i i think tony scott has like found this like unique point because he's like kind of a cut above what he's like perceived as but yeah completely so um i don't know like the production on this movie is just sort of whatever like not a lot about it. I mean, and, and when you're watching the movie, I don't think that you expect there to be much about it. No, it's the most profitable, uh, most profitable film that Film District, which is the studio, ever made. Mm-hmm. Um, so we actually can get into budget and critical now. Yeah, so this movie cost $70 million to make, which is not bad considering all of the things that were blown up and all the explosions, blah, 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 but it's all fake. It's all fake. That's why. <laughs> um, so it came out on March 22nd, 2013. It grossed $98 million domestic and an additional 62 worldwide to make it a total of 161. So it doubled its budget, and I am pretty surprised that it made $98 million in the States. Yeah, I mean, I think it's kind of a sign of the times, too. Like, you you had... This is one of those weird things where you go back to 2012, and we've talked about this on the show before, or 2012 when this is being produced, and 2013 when it comes out. And you sort of think about it, and you're like... Okay, 2013, we're, now we're all transitioning pretty squarely into the digital streaming era. So now, like, this whole notion of Redbox movies and, and straight-to-video projects starring A-listers, it's not that weird anymore. Right. But you had enough star power and enough names in the movie. You know what I mean? It's like Eckhart was only a few years after Dark Knight. His, his stock was still kind of there. People always love Morgan Freeman, even if he's not a huge, like, ticket seller. He's but a name. Gerard Butler was, like, a guy where it's, like, if you're going to put Gerard Butler in the diehard scenario, like, I can get into it. Angela Bassett's a big name. Yeah, she's great. She appeals. So it's, like, I, I think that this movie... And then, clearly, this was a hot property because White House Down being written and produced at the same time, that's one of those things where there's a lot of interest in this type of movie being made. Uh, and I guess... You, that's what's why I wonder about London Has Fallen. Has the time passed on this story? Right. This story hadn't been told yet. My thing is, is that this movie, I feel like it... So Jack Reacher, I feel like, had a bigger cult following than this movie. Yeah. Absolutely. Uh, and this movie, I wonder if it has enough of a following to where it's going to make any money uh, on the next movie. Because it... Honestly, man, if we wouldn't have done this show... Yeah. This episode... I would never have ever watched London Has Fallen. I yeah. probably would have never watched Olympus Has Fallen. I'd already thought that I did. Yeah, I mean, had I not seen it on the airplane, I wasn't going to watch either one. Of course. So you know? that's one of those things where it's like, has this movie made enough 
of its of a name for itself through the cult following to sell tickets, and I guess we'll find out. Well, yeah, we'll see in a couple of weeks here. I mean, I think more than likely we'll end up doing one that is following on the oh, show. Oh, definitely we will. I mean, yeah. this movie was so great. Yeah. It was. It, this movie is so perfect for our show. Yeah. In every way. Yeah, completely. So you have to hope that London doesn't miss the mark and try to just do something that it's not. Anton Fuqua yeah. tries to do something. Seriously. Uh, let's hope that it, that it nails it on the head. But uh, So this opened at number two, Behind the Croods, which is a, another one of those things where it's just like animated movies are a force to be reckoned with. Well, th- And also this movie, its release date was moved around a lot. Um, right. Yeah, because originally it was supposed to come out earlier. It got pushed back. Then it was going to end up competing with, the, remember that movie, The Heat? With, uh, was it the Sandra? Heat? With, remember The Heat with like, the cop one, the chick cops at Sandra Bullock? and. Um, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Right? yeah. yeah. So, wait, what? Was that Sandra, Sandra Bullock and Melissa McCarthy? Yeah, Melissa McCarthy. Yeah. yeah, it was supposed to come out the same weekend, so I think they moved it up a few weeks. But, I mean, traditionally, March, that's a funny release date for a movie like this. Yeah, like, you feel like this should be more of a summer-type movie. Yeah, but the tentpoles have now become these franchised movies, and this is just like a shot in the dark. So, um, I guess, and we're getting we're getting another Mar- another March release. Yeah. It's like trying to take advantage of the fact that there's not a whole lot of like major, epic action movies coming out at that time. But, yeah, the Croods, I mean... <laughs> It made. I mean, the Croods made forty three million. This made thirty million, which is a good opening for this yeah. type of movie, you know. Um, critically, you know, forty eight, forty three, sixty seven. Yeah. So audience is the highest, which is classic which for is our show. Very good for our show. It's yeah. got a six point five on IMDb, which is again like once you're below seven something, I, I don't know. It all just blends together. Six five is bad. Like six it is not good. If, if a movie gets six point five on IMDb, that means people. For the most part, felt that it was very squarely just a peg above average. Right. Um, but 6.5 is like, you if, you if you get to watch, you know, one movie in a week, you're never going to get around to watching this movie. Right. Well, like, it's like, if I see a movie, for instance, with Burn After Reading, there we yeah. go, that's a good example, that has a 6.5, I'm like, nah. But you see Olympus is Fallen with a 6.5, yeah. like, wow, 6.5. Yeah. Well, that's pretty good. <laughs> it's got to be, it's got to you know what I mean? <laughs> You're like, this is pretty... Wow, am I actually going to get something of quality here? <laughs> Let me see. Is the audience score the highest? Oh, my goodness. No, the audience... This is a gem. This yeah. is a treat. So uh, Kyle Smith from the New York Post was not quite as uh, passionate about the movies we were in positivity. Uh, the film is a second-rate Air Force One mashed up with a third-rate <laughs> Die Hard, which Gerard Butler striving mightily to be charismatic, to be as charismatic as the, the, the one man who can save the day. As the one man who can save the day. Which is, you know, they, they're talking about the Gibsons and the yeah. Willises of the world. Yeah. Wait, that was the negative review? That sounded awesome. Yeah, right? Yeah. Second-rate, uh, was it second-rate <laughs> Air Force One and a third-rate Die Hard? Sign me up. Yeah, exactly. I mean, those are two of our favorites. <laughs> yeah. Those are two of our favorites. I mean, uh, then Peter Howell, who gives it a fresh review, he's from the Toronto Star. His review says, It all goes down shockingly well. Even if Butler lacks the sarcastic wit of Bruce Willis or Arnold Schwarzenegger, and even as the film keeps upping the eye-rolling quotient with cartoon characters. (laughs) Yeah, no, I don't know what you said. (laughs) No idea what you just said. Uh, it all goes down shockingly well, even if Butler lacks the sarcastic wit of Bruce Willis or Arnold Schwarzenegger, and even as the film keeps upping the eye-rolling quotient with cartoon characters. Yeah, I mean, it, every character in this movie is a cartoon character. Yeah. Here is, here is to me, we're going to jump into Ultimate Action Scene, which is not a section on the show we do very often, but this movie's literally jam-packed. Yeah. I mean, to the gills with fake action created by computers. Yes. So, a couple things we need to talk about. Um, number one, movie opens up with a nearly entirely CG scene where... Your armed forces respond in 15 minutes. 
we took the city, we took the White House in 13. Yeah. Like, so in those 13 minutes, the number of people that die, just the number of cliches. 10,000 people. Yeah, just the, the North Koreans or unified Korea, as right. they state to be in the movie, uh, are just like, just so much, they're so superior. They took us completely by surprise. Just everything goes wrong. Banning gets inside. Here's my favorite. So, uh, who, okay, the actor is, it's a Fred. The older guy who's also in Air Force One. Oh, yeah, yeah. The, the talking suit. And Jack, talking about. Uh, Jackie Brown. He's the general. I'm just thinking his name is escaping me. Uh, Donica, would you mind looking him up really quick, really quick for us? He's uh, he's general something. You're in, you hear his name and you're no, – anyway, it yeah. doesn't matter. So uh, <laughs> it's like they've, they've established that they can enter the White House from the top in like a position where it's like oh, tactically we can – you know, it's a, it's a vulnerable position. And Banning is in, like, the armory room where, you know, Kang, because he has this drone that has been, you know, dispatched, he knows... They've got the Hydra 6. Yeah. <laughs> and they're, like, sending in six of these, like, sweet helicopters yeah. with, like, all kinds of guns Navy on SEALs, them. SWAT team, yeah. And the guy's like, the guy's like, I have the toughest men in the world. We can take it down. <laughs> and you're just like, you're like, oh, dude, this is the shower room in the rock. Like, yeah. You're going to lose here. This is like, where you... Pre- this is putting the guy on the... This is putting the DEA agent on the plane in Con Air. Yeah. My guy can hold his own. No. Yeah. You're you're dumb, and I can never hold his own. It's too early in the movie. Like, he's got to go wrong. Yeah, <laughs> I love when Morgan Freeman shuts him up. Yeah, do great. not speak unless I ask you a question. Yeah. Oh, it's so good. Have you one here expressly? Like, what's he say? <laughs> sure. oh, I can't even remember. It's hard to remember much of the dialogue in this movie. Miami to me was like college for other kids. <laughs> uh, anyway, so. Uh, so he sends in the dudes and, and, and he's like, what's Butler's like? He's like, you got to call off the attack. You got to call off the attack. So it's just my Butler voice. Is like, <laughs> <laughs> and uh, the guy's like, no way. We're not calling off the attack. It's not going to happen. We've got this. And, and everyone dies, of course. Yeah. Everybody. Absolutely everybody. You just know, just no question. Robert Forster. Robert, Robert Forster. Forster. Yeah, yeah, classic character actor. Been in tons oh, of stuff. Oh, great. Tons of stuff. But uh, I mean, that to me is like, that's an ultimate action scene. The attack at the beginning is an ultimate action scene. Him just killing people throughout the White House intermittently, it, intermittently is all so good. The charge of the bunker at the end. Like, if there was any less action in this movie, it would be wrong. Yeah. It's to the gills, man. It's perfect. It's packed. Yeah. It's totally packed. Uh, there's so much action in the movie, actually. If you're watching this episode and you have one particular moment that you think is, like, the most action-packed moment, maybe it's the reach-around-the-corner headshot. Oh, so sweet. Maybe it's the, like, grab guy, pull him around the corner, shoot him through the head, and then, like, do something else. I mean, there's so many deaths. What was the, what's the death count? Like, 167 or something? Oh, it's incredibly high. And that's, yeah. and that's not counting all of the random civilians, because you can't count all that. Who just died at the beginning yeah. of the movie. Yeah. I love that he he gets Kang in an arm bar, breaks his arm, and then stabs him in the brain. Yeah. It's, it's he's like, you better save that bullet. Doesn't he break his neck, too? No, he breaks his arm. You think it's his neck, because he's got his hands, or his yeah. legs over his neck, but it's his, he's got him an arm bar, so he drops the knife, and then he stabs him in the head. He says, like, I'm going to save this knife for you and jam it into your brain, yeah, which is reminiscent of Schwarzenegger and Running Man, where he's like, right. but I, I'm going to make you eat that contract, but I hope you leave enough room for my fist, because I'm going to jam it in your stomach and break your goddamn spine. <laughs> That's good. It was real good. It's a good one. It was a good one. We're gonna have to do Running Man on the show at some point, just for that one line. Just so you can yell that for an hour and a half. Yeah, lots of innocent women and children down there. All they want to do is eat, for God's sakes. <laughs> so speaking of favorite lines, yeah, we have some. <laughs> my favorite line in the movie is so non-action packed, but it's just so my favorite line in the whole movie. Mine's a. Uh... You either get busy living or you get busy dying. That's not from this movie, is it? Not. No. Oh. It's not from this film. Oh, that's feel, from. I feel ridiculous. I think that's from Die Hard with a Vengeance. Maybe? <laughs> I think you're right. <laughs> it sounds like Willis. 
Uh, it's a Glover. It's a Glover line. It's a Glover line in Predator 2. Uh, well, we already know what my favorite line is. I said it earlier. Yeah. Or you said it earlier. It's the Angela Bassett do hero wanna, qualifier. Do you want to quote it again? I don't. Okay. Um, <laughs> my favorite line is at the beginning of the movie when Rada Mitchell, who, by the way, is a completely wasted character in this movie, and yeah. I'm not even really sure why she's in the second movie, but I guess probably to serve some sort of, like, anchor. because everyone's back. For banning. Um Rhonda Mitchell, what a gangster. Like She's so good. In Man on Fire, she's incredible. Yeah, really great in Man on Fire. That movie's very good. Yeah. Um But uh at the beginning of the movie when like he wakes up and like opens his eyes and the first thing he says is like, I'm sorry. And like she you know, he's like uh it's just like you know that he's been like sleepwalking through his life right. and he can't pay attention and they're married and she's she kind of messes with him a little bit. She turns on the blender while he's talking. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And then he's like she's like, So tell me How's the barbecue? <laughs> she's like, she's like, well, you know, Patty and Janie and the and the boyfriends and the girlfriends and blah blah blah. And, and he's like, watching TV. And she goes over and she clicks the remote and she's like, you're not even listening. You're not even listening. He goes, oh yeah, I was. You were telling me about Patty's boyfriend, Paula. He says, <laughs> Paula, he says the wrong name, and it's just like such like a wah, wah kind of moment. And he does it so poorly. <laughs> so poorly. Like, that line doesn't need to be that bad. It doesn't need to be that absurd. <laughs> it's so cardboard, but yeah. it's my favorite thing. It's like, that's my favorite line in the movie because it's like, Gerard Butler, you have no business being in the scene. No. Just cut it. <laughs> Just start killing people. Yeah. This relationship you have serves no purpose in the movie whatsoever. Don't look for him to act at all. No. Let everyone else in the film do it. Oh, except it's very touching when he calls her when he from the sat phone mm-hmm. when he's in the White House. He's like, hey, babe. Just checking in. Yeah, he doesn't tell her anything about what's going on. I do love that part. Busy day at the office. Yeah. I'm good. Exactly. <laughs> I'll get some more coffee on the way home. <laughs> Liam Neeson is going to call our people, <laughs> he's gonna and he's going to be very upset. Liam Neeson should should be put on for Olympus, <laughs> for for London has fallen to um, the fall of Olympus. <laughs> he was a guy. He was Zeus. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so uh, anyway, what's uh, that's both our favorite lines. If you yeah. have a favorite line, you should tweet at us at AMA Podcast. If you think that we're just off off base here completely and uh, just... And you love Gerard Butler's acting, yeah. let us know. <laughs> let us know, because uh, we've been known to be wrong once or twice. Uh, let's talk hero-villain ranking. There's pretty much uh, no chance that the villains rank, right? Yeah, Kang does not rank, and no. McDermott does not rank. No. Dylan McDermott's the number one shit weasel in this movie. He is. Yeah. I'll give him that. And Kang is, like, menacing. There's, like, one sweet moment when it's like... He like does something and he like really menacingly takes his glasses yeah, it's off. The, it's the it's the unveil of everything that happens, and it's like for him to be a bad guy, all he has to do is take his glasses, and then it's like dun dun dun. dun. He's like evil Korean Clark Kent. Yeah, yeah, he's exactly. Like, he's like he's like time for me to take down the White House. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Snap, um, snicked. So, but Mike Banning ranks right. Oh yeah. Yeah, Banning's, he ranks on mine, too. Banning's sweet. He's so awesome. He's ex-Special Forces, Ranger Battalion. I had to put him in the same... Okay, oh, so we got the list. Perfect. Yeah. So I had to put him... If you can see who he's right next to, it's okay. John Wick and and uh, Liam Neeson from Taken. Yeah, it's well, Brian he, Mills, because he's the same type of guy. He's a very similar character, yeah. So you have him right there at number 26. Yeah. Um, yeah, I think that's I think that's pretty legit. And um, I put him behind... Uh, what did I put him behind? I'm so blind. No, it looks like you got Nathan Algren, Brian Mills, John Wick, Mike Banning. Right, exactly. Yeah. I put the two of them in front of him because I just feel like they're a little cooler. Yeah, it's but fair. I still love Mike Banning. I think I, I think I ended up putting him just just a tad lower, like just a tad lower, not by too much. Right. But like the guys that I have right ahead of him, so it looks like I have him uh, 34. It looks like, and the re- so I have Crazy ahead of him. 
Unless I'm blind. Donica, can you You've tell me? You've got him as 24. 24. I'm blind. Oh, so <laughs> you got him higher than me, I think. Yeah, okay. So, uh, yeah, it looks like I have him at 24. And the guys right ahead of him, I got John Creasy from Man on Fire. I got Ethan Hunt from both Mission Impossible's 4 and 5. And I have John Wick ahead of him. But right below him, I've got Wider from Tombstone, and I've got Brian Mills. Okay, so you think he's cooler than Brian Mills. Yeah, I, I mean, that. I thought about it. Like, they're, they're similar, right? Yeah. Like, you, they, you, they're One man against sweet the world. in the One same man way. man against the world. Yeah, they have, they have very similar accents. They do. I told you a good woman. But, um, God, I am so sorry to anybody on audio. We are just <laughs> ruining your day. But With uh, horrible <laughs> impersonations this week. Uh, for the movie, though, I, I, I think ours are like the same. I think I have it at 30 and you have it at 31. Which makes sense uh, to, yeah. for it to be in kind of that area where you – it's not a good movie and the ones you put it ahead of are the ones that you'd rather watch this over. Are you extremely offended that I have Kill Bill behind it? I just can't believe that, really. I just – it's not like I think that Kill Bill is a worse movie for me. This is one of those situations where it's like I would way, way, way rather watch this movie again on cable right. than have to watch Kill Bill again. Oh, yeah. But you've seen we've seen Kill Bill hundreds of times now. Well, I guess not hundreds, but so much on TV. Like this movie, if I'm gonna sit down and have a drink with my buddy and like watch a good like a stupid good movie, this yeah. is gonna go on. Yeah, absolutely over Kill Bill. Which is which is sort of like I'm like okay, Taken because if Taken's on cable, I'll always catch it. John mm-hmm. Wick. These are the two movies I have right ahead of it. Taking a Pill and One Two Three is specific to me because I love that movie so much. But also, like that movie has some real moments of emotion. Taken does. <sighs> yes, it has two. Right, but I mean, and it's got like a very strong actor doing a good job. Yeah, that's so it, true. It's got like a few moments where you're like, I like watching Denzel do his thing enough yeah. where I can put this movie ahead of this because it's like taking a Pelham is one of those weird movies where if it's on cable and you catch it, you'll probably find yourself compelled to watch it. Yeah, it's entertaining. Yeah. It, for sure. It really is. And that's why that's why I sort of look at the movies below this. I'm like, Kill Bill, like, I appreciate it, but I don't love it. Lethal Weapon's too dated. Furious 7, like... The franchise I'm kind of burnt out on. Rambo: First Blood Part Two is just too dated. Like, yeah, it's it's a shame about Lethal Weapon and Rambo for me. Yeah, Born Legacy, Jurassic World, Independence Day. These are movies where I I find myself less compelled. But all the ones ahead, you know, Rocky Four, like I'm kind of on board. So. Yeah, absolutely. All right, um, is it that time? I think it's time for recast. Is it? Um, yeah. So we, this is recast. We take a movie and we we transpose it either forward or backwards by fifteen or twenty years to 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 suggest who we would put in the film. If we were making this movie then. So because this is a newer movie and it's being remade now yep. as the sequel, we're going back to 85, 95. So basically anybody you can choose, kind of anyone who's in their prime between like 85 and 96-ish, kind of in the era of this this genre this right. is borrowing from. And uh, we're going to recast with those characters. So let's let's go back and start with Angela Bassett yes. uh, and, and suggest who we would put in the role that Angela Bassett plays. Go ahead. Oh, and just for some fun, guys, uh, please tweet at AMA Podcast with hashtag Master Recaster with who you think did a better job this week. Our boy Brian Hurst, longtime fan of the show, uh, suggested the hashtag long ago, and uh, sometimes we get a handful of you guys that tweet at us and right. let us know. Uh, I've lost track a little bit at this point of who's winning, but I think it's pretty close. I think you're, I think you're actually doing better than me at this point, but it is, it's got to be close. Yeah, 100%. Hurst, Hurst got it, and Donica got an assist last week on my win, I think. Yeah, Because uh, yeah. he, Donica gave me a couple. So, uh, And Donica, if you want to throw any in, of course, you're always encouraged. Yes, sir. Uh, so f- with Miss Angela Bassett, I'm going to go with a Miss... Whitney Houston. What? Circa the bodyguard. <laughs> no. Nope, not, not going to do, do that. Let's not do that to anybody. Once again, very sorry to those on audio. <laughs> um, 
All right. Uh, who do you got? Pam Greer. Pam Greer. Pam Greer. Pam Greer. Who is she? She was in Jackie Brown. She. Uh, oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah she's. Yeah. I think she's actually originally famous from the seventies. Um, she's like, but by the time this movie came out, she might just maybe have been. I think she's the right age. Okay. Because she's in Jackie Brown. She's yeah. I think she's she's correct. Whitney and actually, Houston was definitely the right age. Yeah. <laughs> no, in in ninety five. I guess. Man. Bodyguards like ninety one. Look, man. Yeah. <laughs> Love Whitney Houston. Uh, who do you have for Mr. Yoon Kang? I cast Billy Holiday. Billy Holiday. <laughs> no, it's he's, not. Great. Yeah, he's great. He's <laughs> great. Well, well, who plays the vice president? <laughs> Glenn Close. Oh, I love Glenn. Love He's great. Glenn. He's great. Um, for Kang, oh, Mr. Chow Young Fat. Chow Young Fat. And it's you just res- couldn't think of anyone else, could you? No, it's out of respect <laughs> because uh, because you know he's he's young and charismatic and intense and you know this is Anton Fuqua directed him in the Replacement Killers in 1998. So all right, everybody, calm down. Yeah, yeah, no, I like that. Chow Young's not bad. Mine's everybody, better. Everybody's upset. No, no, no. I oh. just pulled that up because I can't I can't remember his exact full name. Uh, you might know Kari Hiroyuki Tagawa from a certain film called Mortal Kombat. <laughs> oh my! Your soul is mine. <laughs> That's who I want. I want Shang Tsung to be Kang. Ah, Shang Tsung so sweet. It's so sweet. Every man is responsible for his own path. Shang Tsung killed my brother. Oh my! my. <laughs> oh, that movie's definitely gonna happen on the oh, show. It's gonna happen. We're just gonna keep pushing it every single week. We asked you guys last week. If, we got like uh, a handful of them. There was a lot of people actually. Yeah. I don't think we quite hit the twenty, but you know what? I'm gonna do this this week just just as like an extra little like detail. Okay. We're gonna get to the pitch here in a second. We're gonna pitch our movies, and Donica, because I know you're a massive fan of Mortal Kombat. Am oh, I right? Oh yeah. We're gonna have Donica. Can can they hear you on audio, or can yes, we just they hear can. you? Okay. Donica is going to do his own 30-second pitch for Mortal Kombat against okay, our pitches. I love it. On the spot. I love it. On the spot. And that way, if the fans listening actually want to vote for Mortal Kombat, that's what we're doing next we'll put, week. We'll put all three of them up. The three pitches this week are sweet. Oh, it's a good lineup. They're effing it's sweet. It's a real good lineup. Okay, right. back to where we were. Uh, for Morgan Freeman, I cast Mr. James Earl Jones. Oh, really? Okay, yeah. yeah. Clear and present danger. He's, uh, yeah, that's solid. He's a good, he, he looks good in military gear and he's like part, and he's got part a of the, sweet voice. He's part of the, like, the Jack Ryan Patriot Games, which is kind of the same, it's the same world. It's like yeah. political espionage, um, crime, not crime, but like political thriller attacks on national security. You like my recast so far, don't you? For Mr. Morgan Freeman, I went with Mr. Morgan Freeman. I know, I did the same yeah, thing. Yeah. I, I recast because, of course. He's the best. But then I was like, you know, it'd be sweet. Well, guess what movie Morgan Freeman plays the president in? Shawshank Redemption. Deep Impact. 1998. He yeah. doesn't play the president. I just I don't know what's going on. <laughs> For those of you that didn't know what I was referencing earlier, by the way, when I did the Morgan Freeman doing the LeBron James letter, yeah. look this up because Frank Caliendo does it. He he like took LeBron James's letter, the one that he wrote at the Sports Illustrated or whatever, when he's like, I'm going to be leaving Miami to go back to Cleveland. Uh-huh. And he wrote this long letter. And Caliendo reads the letter in Morgan Freeman's voice. Oh, but it's so good. And he's like, that's where the line, he's like, Miami to me was like college for other kids. <laughs> I did not know that then. I know it now. Like, it's very good. It's very funny to <laughs> we'll, watch. We'll definitely have to have to watch that. You got to show me. Yeah, it's good. Uh, who'd you have as Eckhart? I went with late 90s Michael Keaton. That's good. Yeah, like not Batman. As a president. Michael Keaton as a president. Because 89, he's Batman. 96, he's an out of sight and he's kind of an airhead. Uh-huh. By late 90s, you're talking like 
I think he was sort of falling out of the limelight totally. a little bit. Yeah. Multiplicity, I still think, is mid-90s. Uh, but I think he started to kind of reach the right age where he's a good actor. Michael yeah, he's Keaton. a good actor. He's a good actor. And I think I just, it's one of those things about you have to have this look about you to be president. Yeah. And Keaton, I don't think, has it. And I wonder about the same with my guy because I feel like my yeah. guy's like too smooth or too smarmy. I had Richard Gere. Solid, solid choice. I think they're both good choices, but again, it's that look. Like Aaron Eckhart has that like boyish, innocent look about him. My that, other like, option, all-American look. My other option was late '90s Dennis Quaid. Okay, poor that's man, good. poor man's Kevin Costner. Yeah, 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 yeah. I like that. Yeah. Okay. Um, Butler, Gibson. I mean, I went with the obvious. What'd you go? Willis. Yeah. Yeah. It's just I. It, I have too hard of a. T- I mean, I love Gibson. Right. Gibson's great. And Gibson and Willis were total contemporaries. Yeah. You know, I mean, obviously Riggs and McLean. But I just, I don't know, just for like. Yeah, but 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 Yeah. I mean, I guess Gibson might be better, I, I suppose. He's, he's, he's more jacked. Um, he's more intense. He's more crazy. Yeah, he's more crazy. He's a different type of crazy. Willis is a little more like wisecracking. Yeah. So he's a little harder to. But I think the movie would just feel like a diehard movie. Which is what it is. Right. So if this movie was made in like 1995, this would actually just be like Die Hard, whatever number it would have been at the time. Yeah, it'd be like it'd be like Die Difficult or something. It'd be like a different, <laughs> you know what I mean? It'd be like a different franchise. You but should like, write movie titles for a living. Yeah, I probably should. It's like a different <laughs> movie that's like kind of similar. Uh, how about a little a little segment we like to call Cage versus Cruise? Ooh, this is a good one today. This is a good one today. By the way, share your thoughts with us. Who won that one? Hashtag MasterRecaster yes. at AMA Podcast. Let us know. Um, we are fast approaching episode fifty of the show. Oh, I can't wait which, for the Rock. Uh, yeah, we have we have like a lot of cool stuff in the pipeline coming up to announce to you guys. And I think for the Rock episode, we're going to really try to do some special stuff. So get on Twitter so you can you can hear all the special stuff we're doing and all the all the extra news. Um, Let's uh let's talk Cage versus Cruise. Hmm. Nineties. We're going nineties. I think Cage has no business being in this movie at all. Cruise could have been the president. Now? Now yeah, definitely would be great if he president. <laughs> great, yeah. yeah. Boom. Yeah, exactly. I like that dog. <laughs> uh I mean in Ruth, do not tell him. Yeah. Ru- Ruth, this is an order from your commander in chief. Yeah. He's Give good. him the codes. You started stealing my corner as cruise voice. I did. Whenever we get to the segment, you do cruise voice. Well, it's because Cage. Look, Ruth. <laughs> this is an order. Uh, it's like you know, Cage maybe like falls through the roof and he's on the ground. He's like, "Well, I'll, I'll do respect, sir, but your team needs some serious help." It's <laughs> good. Or what if what if uh, Cruz was uh, McDermott? Oh my God, Mike. <laughs> You scared the shit out he of me. He would never play a shit weasel. He'd never. Cruz would never, he would play, never do that. Never play a shit it's weasel. It's a shame because he'd be so good at it. No, but like Cruz, Cruz just being like, with uh, with all due respect, sir, I'm I'm the best hope you got. <laughs> maybe, maybe. Okay. All right. <laughs> yeah. I'm into it. Uh, categories, man. Talk talk to me. Totally ridiculous. Yeah. Oh, I mean, there's three categories in action movies. There's totally ridiculous, totally legitimate, ridiculously legitimate. Legitimate movies are like Terminator 2 and The Fugitive. Totally ridiculous movies are like Con Air and Face Off. They just completely fall off a cliff. The middle category, ridiculously legitimate, they're movies that are anchored by a very strong performance, a compelling plot line, 
and they make you laugh unintentionally only some of the time. Predator, The Rock. Yes, you know? classics. It's kind of like the ideal category for us. Absolutely. There's nothing about this movie that I take seriously. Nothing. This movie's completely is, ridiculous. It, it, it's one of those great moments. I mean, Face Off is also phenomenally like a phenomenal yeah. movie, and it is completely ridiculous. Totally ridiculous. This is absolutely totally ridiculous. There's only a couple moments in the entire movie that elicit any form of tangible motion. Melissa Leo does an excellent job, and when she's getting the shit kicked out of her, and she's, like, trying to, like, just... Right. I always forget that's Melissa Leo. Yeah. yeah. She does a great job, and yeah, that's sad. that's that's a sad moment, but yeah. it's great that she survives. Her breathing is, like, really hard to listen to after she gets kicked in the lungs a lot, because yeah. it's like, oh, God. Like, it just, you can, like, her body's broken. So the intense, between takes in that scene, the intensity was so high, she would walk off camera and do step-ups on a box, on an Apple box. To gave her heart rate high, okay. so that when she got back in, into character in the scene, <laughs> she'd be like super, super worked up. Wow, I um, like that. But uh, she's great, and then all the stuff with his son is irrelevant. Stuff with his wife is irrelevant. Spark plug. His relationship with the president's irrelevant on an emotional level. Morgan Freeman's irrelevant. Angela Bassett's irrelevant. I'm trying to think, there's any there's other? No, there's not. There's the only the one phone call between Butler and Mitchell for just like ten seconds, where you're like, oh. I guess at the very beginning when Ashley Judd dies, there's a little yeah, bit Yeah, it's a of, good scene. Yeah. It's not bad. Sad. It's done well. Yeah. Like, uh, it's really intense, I love too. the line. I love the, I'm sorry, sir. He just cuts his thing and pulls him out. He knows. Yeah. That's good. And also, like, it's, uh, it's emotive when the car slams, her head whams against the side. She starts yeah. bleeding out of her ear. You can kind of see her head. Yeah. Um, that's, that's like, I don't know. And I guess when people are getting, like, annihilated. But really, for the most part, this movie has no emotion. No, it's just not at all. A big, sloppy like blood fest of violence blood and, and Gerard Butler it's a bloodbath <laughs> it's a bloodbath um <laughs> anyway so that's uh that's Gerard Butler trying to use the bathroom now <laughs> uh that's pretty much that I guess we only have one thing left to do on the show and that's called The Pitch Boom. Yeah. We're getting good at that. We're getting good at that. Uh alright who, who's gonna go first we got three pitches I'm gonna go first boom I'm going to go first because I love Benicio Del Toro, and I just saw Tommy Lee Jones, the new Bourne, what's it even called? Just Jason Bourne trailer. Um, hello, The Hunted? Are you kidding me? Benicio Del Toro and Tommy Lee Jones going knife to knife in the backwoods of Oregon? I grew up in Oregon. Is that Oregon. like a Requiem for a Dream reference you just went? No, no, this is real. <laughs> uh, kind of. Knife to knife? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> knife to knife. Um... It's badass. It's got knife fighting. Benicio del Toro is another one of those Ranger Battalion ex special ops. Like he can kill anyone at any time. There's a lot of knife throwing. I yeah. love knife throwing. Yeah, it's it's so sweet. Uh, and then of course, who doesn't want to see Tommy Lee Jones and Benicio del Toro try to kill each other? I love both actors. Yeah, I never saw this movie. I confused it with Narc with Colin Farrell and Ray Liotta. Is that a movie? Uh, it's a, not a good one. I, they came out around the same time. They okay. had similar covers, and I never watched either. Um, Hunted sounds fucking it's sweet. Awesome. What do you uh, What do you have planned for us? I got a little week? movie called The Edge. Whammy. God, I'm excited. Okay, this, this movie is just too too good. Like they died saving my life. Ninety six or ninety seven is when this movie came out. Now, first of all, it's written by David Mamet. Um, I want to say yeah. it's directed by David Mamet as well. So David Mamet is the guy that wrote and directed. 
well, the original Glenn Gary Glenn Ross, which is his play. He's an um, incredible writer. Oh, my God. Stars Anthony Hopkins and Alec Baldwin. The premise is the movie. They start out on, like, this remote location where Alec Baldwin, who is, like, a billionaire, has this supermodel wife, blonde beauty, and she's a model. And Alec Baldwin, he's the photographer on site. So they get in, like, a little plane, he and Alec Baldwin, uh, Anthony Hopkins, because he's just tagging along for fun. And he's like, oh, I'll see the countryside. And, uh, and and Alec Baldwin's having an affair with uh, Anthony Hopkins' wife. Yeah. So they're in this airplane. The plane goes down. They're trapped in the wilderness, and they're being tracked by a grizzly bear. And they have to survive. A murderous grizzly bear. On their wits. Because Alec Baldwin's a big pansy. And Alec, and, and uh, Anthony Hopkins, all his knowledge is from reading books. Yeah. He knows how to survive in the wilderness and build a compass and kill a bear. Because he's, like, old and he reads books. <laughs> he's it's, old. It's Forest Jaws. Oh, my God. Yes, Forest Jaws. It's Forest Jaws. It's got Michael from Lost. Uh, he's in it. it it's, that movie is just epically sweet there will be so many fist pump moments in that movie the, like most of the movie is one giant fist pump moment and i'm just overwhelmed with excitement for that movie so uh but i think our biggest competition for both of these has got to be donica. mortal Kombat. donica mortal Kombat. it is one of my favorite movies of all time i will have to say it's the single movie that gave everybody hope that video game movies could be a thing yes action-packed wall-to-wall killer soundtrack Oof. and yes. just infinitely quotable it's one of it's it's full of the scenes that you just you you can't help but say fuck yeah to like yeah. really it's it's the essence of a fist pup moment in its purest form and i i i could watch this movie every day for the rest of my life and be super happy i love mortal Kombat. i've watched awesome. it so many i've times. seen this movie hundreds of times literally your side joe freaks attack my fighters you know that is strictly forbidden before the tournament He's Christopher Lambert is so bad. <laughs> so sweet. Lord Raven. Lord Raven. <laughs> All right, so this is what you guys want to watch for an hour and a half next week. Pick Mortal Kombat. If you want to see The Edge or you want to see The Hunted, let us know. We're going to put up a poll right after the show, right? Yeah, right after the show. Um, that's going to do it. What a fun episode. I'm yeah. in such a good mood. Um, that's Action Movie Anatomy, guys. I am Ben Bateman. You can find me at Ben Bateman Media on Twitter and Instagram. Let me know your thoughts. Mr. Andrew Guy. I am Mr. Andrew Guy. You can find me on Twitter at Andrew Guy. And, of course, Soapbox Donica. If you want to find him, it is uh, Mr. Mark Donica. Mark B. Donica. Damn it. <laughs> Idiot. <laughs> I'm going to get better at it. The B stands for Bennett. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> that's going to do it. We'll see you guys next week. Adios. From producers Maria Menunos, Kevin Undergaro, Phil Svitek, and the entire Popcorn Talk Network, we would like to thank you for tuning in. For questions or comments, be sure to visit PopcornTalk.com. I'm Sir Richard Wentworth, and this has been a presentation of the Popcorn Talk Network. The views expressed herein are those of the hosts only and do not necessarily reflect the views of the Popcorn Talk Network or its owners or principals.